0: Hello and welcome to Locked on St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering everything's Cardinals brought to you live from Busch Stadium as I sit here uh, in section 253. My name is Jeff Jones, joined by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, good afternoon. It's it's finally nice out.
1: The weather's great. I hope it stays, but I'm sure it won't.
0: This morning, you know, you woke up and it was pretty gray, it was pretty rainy this morning, it was like 48 degrees, and it was honestly like, ugh, enough already, and I uh, I, I spent my afternoon, and here's here is an admission, I went to go see Black Panther this afternoon, because I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, and hey, so, hey, that's pretty good. And so, with, with Avengers coming out this weekend, I was like, alright, I probably need to get caught up, and went and, uh, went and caught Black Panther, went into the movies, came out, and it was gorgeous, so apparently, that's the solution for bad weather, is go see a movie at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning.
1: That And, and I, I don't have any, I don't hold anything against you for doing that because that seems like the kind of thing I would have done had I not been in school during that time. But uh, I've seen three movies in the past week. I think it is now because I got the movie pass, which is probably a podcast in and of its own to explain my thoughts on that. But yeah, that's good. I, I saw Black Panther for the first time Saturday, Saturday night. And uh, enjoyed it very much as well.
0: I, uh, I, in fact, did use my movie pass for this screening of Black Panther. It's, uh, the movie pass is, it's the move, man. It is It is clutch, though, because the movie started before, I think, before noon uh, at the theater I went to go see it at. It was only a $5 movie anyway, so I didn't quite feel like I got max value. Like I feel like with the movie pass, you have to go to a primetime movie to really feel like you're getting the bang for your 10 bucks.
1: Well, I have, out in Wentzville, they have a B&B theater that has these, like, reclinable seats, and they're, like, cushioned, and it's amazing. They're, like, miniature recliners, and they're awesome. So I as I feel like I get my value no matter what when I go there. But I'm, I, and again, we're diverging off of Cardinal Baseball already, but I feel it's important to say, because a lot of people aren't aware of this movie pass. It basically, when it was started, instituted, it said, you know, for 10 bucks a month, you can see one movie per day for an entire month, which is which is great. Like it's an awesome deal. But when I went to sign my wife up last week, they had changed the subscription to four movies per month plus an iHeartRadio subscription. So I'm not sure exactly what the future of this thing is, but yeah, as for now I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped about it unless they like pull the wool over my eyes and change my subscription.
0: See, that's interesting. I hadn't heard that. I did see there was a, uh, I think a CNN article earlier this week that described how much money they weren't making uh, at present. And so it doesn't surprise you that there were some changes. I apologize, by the way, for the background noise. Uh, I think there's a news helicopter passing overhead. It's a, it's, a, it's a bustling metropolis down here. Down here at Bush where there's Cardinals baseball. Seamless transition back into the baseball talk. The New York Mets in town for the next three games. Tonight, tomorrow, and Thursday afternoon for the old businessman special. Uh, Luke Weaver getting a surprise, I guess, surprise start this evening. With the off day yesterday, the Cardinals able to bump all of their starters up one day here uh, for the Mets and then the Pirates this weekend because Adam Wainwright placed on the DL on Sunday with right elbow inflammation. Brendan, what's what, what's happening here?
1: Well, I don't know. Are we buying that this is just a precautionary deal and that Wainwright may not have, you know, he may need to just miss one or two starts rather than it be something that jeopardizes his whole season? If that's the case, then I think, uh, you know, reasonable move and, and, you know, you don't really miss very much uh, because of the way you can restructure the rotation. I just I don't even want to let the thought cross my mind that this is related to the beginning of the end for Wainwright because it's a carryover of the elbow issues he had last season and then he had that procedure after 2017 to kind of clean that up but maybe it's not cleaned up and I I don't want Wainwright's final season if this is in fact his final season to be jeopardized in any way by injury and so I I don't know I, I assume that they're telling the truth that you know he's going to be fine but you just never like to hear. About a guy that is having elbow issues, especially a guy who's had Tommy John in the past, the elbow has been a thing for him before. I don't know. I don't feel great about it, but I'm hoping that we see him back out in a couple of weeks because I want Wayno to get every chance to to shine this year. If this is his last season,
0: yeah, he uh, he did actually stop and talk to the media for quite a bit after the game on Sunday afternoon. And what I what I think started as a sort of brief explanation of what he was going through, he actually went pretty pretty far in depth and said that as the result of, of his elbow injury last year, where they had to go in in the offseason, shave down some cartilage, and they also had to drill a couple of holes to relieve a bone bruise. He has a bone bruise in his elbow that's related sort of inextricably to his pitching motion, or should I should say had a bone bruise. And so he said they had to drill it, uh, I presume to, to let the blood out, which is only a little bit terrifying, uh, and, that's and, and, and said that as a result of that, his release point had altered ever so slightly, and he he showed he kind of positioned his arm. Uh, his his right elbow sits about two inches down towards what I will call the 8 o'clock position. So if you were facing his arm and his arm was the hands of a clock, the elbow goes about 2 inches down towards the 8 o'clock position, and that's to take some of the stress off the elbow, uh, and so as to prevent a recurrence of the bones rubbing together inside the elbow, which is what caused the bone bruise. He said that after coming back from the hamstring injury, he was so amped up and excited for opening day that in combination with the cold weather where he couldn't really feel the ball that well his release point drifted back to its original non-changed position, and as a result, that created the irritation. Uh, so, I mean, it was, look, if it was a fib, it was an awfully detailed one, because he did go into a really long explanation of the arm troubles and, and demonstrated it for us all kind of standing at his locker. But I will say, uh, I think it's fair to be concerned that his natural arm slot is the one that will invariably cause him pain. That if he's going to be able to perform, he has to materially alter his delivery.
1: Yeah, let me clarify that. Where I'm sure that what is being said is what is believed to be the case at this point. It just always seems like we 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 see situations where injuries tend to be recurring, and and I, I just hope it's not a situation where. It keeps cropping up for Wainwright, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's good that it's good that uh, there seems to be a logical explanation for this current situation
0: yeah if 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 you know if we sort of drag out from what he explained that first start was also his worst start of the season one where the release point was apparently not where it needed to be in subsequent starts he said he made the alteration in those starts uh, and felt a little better about it and the ball came out of his hand a lot better he, he said that after the first start he felt a little I think he used the word froggy to describe how he to describe how he felt and he said that you know there's Nothing that shows that there has been any kind of structural issue or any kind of recurrence of the problems that he talked about, but that he was sort of starting to to feel it in a way and and noticing it in a way that made him think it was better to stop and reassess and and, and take a rest. And the way that Adam Lear, Adam Lear had explained it was that. If you were worried about him making 30 starts instead of 31, you should be worried. But if you were worried about him making 10 starts instead of 31, you should not be worried. So my guess is the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the 20 to 25 start range is what Adam Wainwright's year ends up looking like. And if that's the case, that's the Cardinals. I think would take that if you get 20, if you get 25 starts. 17 of them are very strong, and then you're able to work in uh, Jack Flaherty or Austin Gomber and the rest of those starts, I think the Cardinals would be content with that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. You've you've also got Alex Reyes coming down the pipe, which uh, Mosealoc said last week that they're going to build him up and prepare him as a starting pitcher. So, yeah, I think that the – you know, we talked a lot about what the Cardinals should do in the offseason and how they should build this roster, and starting pitching depth was maybe – it was interesting depending on how you looked at it like there were a lot of guys that you felt good about but you weren't sure how the innings would fare and I would say so far we're not quite a month into the season yet but you look at what they've gotten out of some of their starters and I'd say you have to be pretty encouraged about the development of that even with this Wainwright situation because you saw one really good start out of Flaherty and he's continued to do well back in A Memphis and just with the knowledge that Alex Reyes is continuing to progress and Miles Michaelis looks kind of to be the strike thrower, innings eater that you'd hoped he would be. I think the starting rotation is in, is in, is in pretty good shape overall.
0: So Jack Flaherty would have been perfectly on turn with, with, with full rest to pitch in this evening's game against the Mets. Instead, as I mentioned, the Cardinals opting to bump everyone else up a day. So Weaver today... Waka tomorrow, and then Carlos Martinez on Thursday. That means Saturday's game in Pittsburgh is one where the Cardinals will need a starting pitcher. Obviously, uh, Flaherty would be the natural choice there, but the other option, and I, I mentioned his name earlier, is Austin Gomber. Gomber starting yesterday in Memphis, uh, or actually, I, I apologize, it might have been Sunday in Memphis, uh, struck out 16 batters The ties a franchise record for AAA. I believe Lance Lynn also struck out 16 once upon a time for Memphis. And Gomber, as a lefty, would offer uh, sort of a different look for the Cardinals. It would offer an opportunity for the Cardinals to see how his stuff plays at the big league level, which they really haven't seen yet. And it allows them to put a lefty out there against a pretty heavily left-handed Pirates lineup. Uh, Brendan, when you when you consider those two options, are you all in on Flaherty or do you think that there's merit for Austin Gomber getting that start on Saturday?
1: I don't think you could go wrong with either. I think long term Flaherty is gonna be the guy that I expect sticks around and is a, a, a significant part of the Cardinals uh at the major league level for, you know, the foreseeable future. Like he's a guy that they're hoping to plan around and have in their rotation. For years to come and, and be a part of all that, I'm sure they would like Gomber to elevate himself to be that kind of guy too. I'm not so sure. I I see that quite to that level. Uh, he could be a major league pitcher, but I don't. I just don't know if the you know the stuff is going to going to play to that extent for uh, the the type of ceiling that they're looking at for for Jack Flaherty. Um, but the floor could be there for Gomber to be that back end of a rotation kind of guy, and it'd be interesting to get a jump on seeing it. And, and if like you mentioned. Pittsburgh's lineup is more conducive to a spot start here from Gomber. I I would say you can't go wrong either way. Although that would really be a bummer for Jack Flaherty after lighting them up in his first start. I forget how many strikeouts he had in St. Louis uh, for St. Louis in his first start. It was a bunch, and then he goes down to Memphis, continues to do his job, and gets leapfrogged. Uh, I don't know how much that does for the the psyche, but you know the Cardinals are going to be calling upon Flaherty one way or another here before long. So. Uh, I would go with Flaherty myself, but I could see the argument for, for Austin Gomber, especially off of that uh, performance, which I believe came against the Iowa Cubs. So that kind of takes a little bit uh, of the impressiveness away because of the fact that uh, the minor league system for the Cubs is pretty much torched right now with uh, having called up all their players to the major leagues in the last couple of years. But still, uh, quite an accomplishment for Austin Gomber.
0: Yeah, my, my, my guess is that the Cardinals, if... They're really in a position where Wainwright is likely to miss truly one or maybe two starts, that it might very well be Austin Gomber, but that if it were going to be a longer-term situation, i.e. Wainwright's going to get more rest and he's going to miss four or five starts, that to me would be a time when you would call up Jack Flaherty. The rationale being that maybe you don't want Flaherty bouncing around quite so much, that maybe you, you would prefer to have him on consistent rotation, consistent rest, rather than sort of manipulating uh, where he is at in 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 his in in his process to make him available for the big league team. If you know, if if Jack Flaherty is the long term fill in, if something were to happen to someone in the rotation, i.e., this for Wainwright or anything else, then it, to me it would make sense. To have Gomber as your spot guy and and, and Flaherty as your more quasi permanent guy.
1: Yeah, I think if it's a one start deal, that would I'll I'll put the odds at like twenty five percent they would go Gomber. Um, if it's more if it's more than that, it's going to be Flaherty.
0: Yep, totally fair. Uh, in addition to that, Stephen Matts on the mound this evening for the Mets. So left hander facing the Cardinals tonight. Uh, the Cardinals. Am I
1: incorrect, or did they change that? I want to say they changed that to Zach Wheeler.
0: I don't believe they did, and, and the reason I don't believe they did is because when I got here to the ballpark, the lineups aren't posted, but the graphic on the board definitely said Steven Matz.
1: Oh, okay. Well, ESPN uh, definitely lied to me. I'm going to have to update my fantasy roster.
0: Did that? So when, when did that happen? Because I'll, I'll pull it up as, as I sit here to make sure I'm correct, because it's possible, I guess, that the graphics were pre-programmed.
1: From what I understood, it would be Zach Wheeler tonight, based on a change that was made in the last couple of days. Um, but again, if you're at, I'm not at the ballpark yet, I'll be there later on. So I, I, uh, I have no idea to be honest with you at this point.
0: I believe, well, here, let me, let me step out from underneath the awning down to where the graphics are here. This will be, this will be fun. This is, this is a little sneak peek behind the window here. Uh, we'll see if I can find the graphic that listed, that listed Stephen Mats because I also cannot at present find, because the Mets Twitter account hasn't posted anything, Regardless, I guess the point was the, the, the broader point was that Tommy Pham is expected back. I hope, I think, this evening for the Cardinals after sitting out most of the weekend uh, with a moderate groin strain. The Cardinals in sort of that limbo right now where they have uh, five bench players to go along with eight bullpen pitchers because John Brebbia got the recall over the weekend to take Adam Wainwright's spot. And so uh, I think now the Cardinals are going to be looking to see if their rotation can sort of round into shape. Uh, and Or rather, the lineup, I should say, can round into shape. And I think that uh, Marcel Ozuna is going to play a big part in that.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that they need to get going. And I did just look it up on the post-dispatch. They're, they've got Zach Wheeler listed. So I do think oh, that was I apologize, a change that that's made. And they just haven't maybe updated that on, on one of the graphics that you might have seen. But yeah, as far as Ozuna goes, uh, he was kind of... The, the big change that was made to the actual lineup when you look at the offseason because a lot of other guys kind of came or went when you talk about Randall Gridchick and Stephen Biscotti, Alevenis Diaz, like there there were significant players that just uh, start last season were kind of in the fold and then they, they no longer were. Uh, but Ozuna, when you look at the lineup, was really the only huge addition and uh, kind of remains to be seen how how it'll pan out. The big question that I had when the, the rumors of that kind of trade were being discussed, where is Ozuna going to give the Cardinals the kind of season he gave the Marlins in 2017, or is he going to be the guy that was a little bit closer to league average the years before that? And, and I think we've seen flashes of him being able to be that star player. Uh, just hasn't been able to do it consistently yet, but as the weather warms up, I think the plan is that uh, so too will Ozuna. And I uh, would like to see that happen in this series because while the Cardinals record is looking good, they're still in first place, everything's going well. Uh, you know, you're back against a a little bit more of a capable opponent in the Mets than you saw in the Reds.
0: Yeah, the move, by the way, as as I finally sussed this out, the Mets were rained out on Sunday. And so that was the reason, that was the reason everyone got bumped back a day. So yes, indeed it is Zach Wheeler this evening for the Mets. Uh, So in that case, because my, my original question was going to be uh, if the Cardinals would be willing to allow Colton Wong to face the left-hander this evening, because he did start to warm up over the weekend, as it turns out irrelevant with Zach Wheeler tonight. So what did you see out of Colton Wong this weekend? Uh, Is he sort of turning in the right direction now?
1: I saw good things. I, I, his first extra base hit of the season goes for a home run, which was unexpected. And it's almost like it's always great when you see a guy hit a home run. Uh, but in Colton Wong's case, that was something last year where like, he, he definitely didn't focus on that the way he had previously. And and to some people, that was kind of a, a sign of when he was trying to sell out for power, it almost harmed his game a little bit. And last year, you saw the Colton Wong that I think uh, should, should be able to continue to thrive. That's a guy you want him to be that's getting on base and can use his speed a little bit. But uh, it was just great to see him finally drive the ball. And defensively, I think since the mistake he made the other day at Bush Stadium when he, he didn't know how many outs there were, that was in the fifth inning of that game. Since then, in the, you know, whatever, 15 or so innings since, he's been dynamite, you know, has done a really good job uh, defensively, offensively, and I, I like what he's bringing. That said, I don't think when they do see Steven Matts and Feds tomorrow – When he faces a lefty, I don't think Wong will be in the lineup. That would surprise me. Just because you've got to continue to reward Jed Jerko, Greg Garcia, some of these other middle infielders for uh, the the good play they've had of late as well.
0: Yeah, it it definitely now is sort of coming down to a point where – uh, playing time starts to become a thing that that you wonder more and more about, but you know the Cardinals, especially in the outfield, are going to have a consistent outfield, and everyone is healthy and so uh, when you 've seen a guy like Harrison Bader, for example, have the really strong last week that he had where he got i think it was five or six starts in the last week and then played really solid defense and, and was contributing to the plate as well. Uh, he's going to be sort of the ideal fourth outfielder for the Cardinals. He's going to be maybe that first pinch hitter off the bench. But uh, the opportunities for a guy like Bader are going to be somewhat limited. And to the extent that Bader also has those limited opportunities, uh, Tyler O'Neill is going to be faced, I think, even more into that crunch. And, you know, when it comes to Colton Wong, he is going to feel sort of that squeeze from both ends, because not only is he going to have Jerko taking his place more often than not in the starting lineup, but also Greg Garcia has played well enough off the bench uh, that Garcia is going to get some opportunities from the bench as well, and so it's it's definitely a challenge, and it's sort of coming around to the part in the schedule here where it's going to take some real managing to make all those pieces fit together.
1: Yeah, and, I, and again, I really like to see Wong do well, and so if it's a righty, I've got him out there for sure. Um, and I wouldn't have an issue with him being out there against a lefty. I actually think that would show some good confidence from Matheny toward Wong that uh, I think could benefit Wong in the long run, but I just I do understand that you can't bury Jed Jerko because when he's gotten chances, he's done well. The one guy that if you are going to have him benched, and and based on the health factors right now, if everybody's healthy in the outfield, he's going to be Harrison Bader. He's the one guy I'd like to see them find ways to get into every game, no matter what, whether it's – bringing him in for defense, which you don't necessarily need because your outfield is relatively athletic at this point in time. But even if it's late in the game for Dexter Fowler or something like that in right field, I wouldn't mind that. But mostly pinch run him, pinch hit him, get him in there any way you can because I have really liked what I've seen from Bader, and I don't want them to lose some of the momentum that he's been able to build uh, during the last week or so where he's gotten good playing time. I don't know how you feel about that, but he's one guy I'm watching and just – I've been really impressed by him so far.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think the thing he has going for him is that he probably will find a way to get in to very nearly every game. I I think that really he and Garcia form sort of – uh, a pinch hit platoon split, if you will, off the bench, where Garcia is going to get some of those chances against right handers and Bader's going to get some of those chances against left handers. And and yeah, I agree. He's a guy who is going to definitely fit into that later than the defensive replacement or a pinch runner if necessary later in games. Uh, the last guy on the bench, the guy who has the best job in baseball so far this season, is Francisco Pena. Uh, Wednesday, or excuse me, Thursday is a day game after a night game. Is that a pain that a day? I don't know. What what do I, I don't even know what uh, Pena days look like anymore.
1: I don't know. I don't care. I, Yachty's done such a good job; it doesn't matter. Like I've given up on it at this point. Like it's it's it sounds like Matheny has kind of grown weary of the questions uh, over within the last probably twelve months. You know, the last season it was just like, guys, come on. You know, Molina's going to play. Is what it is. Gives us the best chance to win. I've I'm done like second guessing and thinking Yachty needs more rest than than he's been given. Because he's continued to perform, and yeah, I don't care about the Pena thing.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I, I, no, I, I agree. I don't I don't it's I don't care either. At this point, it's it's morbid curiosity. It's I know Francisco Pena is here. I see him every day. I believe he's gotten into two games, right? Maybe three. I know he has. He's gotten he's gotten one start. Uh, and so I just I wonder. I wonder every day is today the Pena day. Today is not no. going to be a Pena it, day. Thursday, I think Thursday. Day game yeah, after right. a night that'd game be, with no travel. Be Thursday. That's that seems like that. I, I think
1: that's the case, but I, he's he's probably just glad to be collecting the major league paycheck, uh, whereas Carson Kelly is in AAA, and you know that's that's probably going to be as good as it gets for Pena because even if the starter goes down, he's still not the starter. So that's just this, that's just the way it goes for him at least uh, this time in his career.
0: All right, Brendan. Before we let you go today, anything else you uh, you saw over the weekend? You're looking to see against the Mets here this week. What are we? Uh, what are we missing? What do we? What do we need to keep an eye out for here at the ballpark?
1: I don't know if there's anything that we're missing, but I think at this point, continue to play well at home is a key. Something the Cardinals didn't really do uh, in the last couple of years that they've missed the postseason. And certainly at this point, I, I want to see how they do at home against a team that's aspiring toward the postseason as well because the Reds aren't among those teams they did beat the the Braves I want to say it is yesterday so they got a win uh to make it like four and 17 or something absurd like that but I want to see how the Cardinals do against the Mets the second time around but you know I I think that this team especially if they want to contend for the division you know 41 and 41 or whatever at home or 41 and 40 is not really going to cut it I think they're going to have to be like on pace for a 95 win season at home to be able to to make a run. So I want to see how they do in this home series against a team they've already seen. Uh, you know, they kind of held their own, didn't win that series, but uh, I think this time around the the bats should be able to be a little more active because you don't see quite the the pitching brick wall that you saw in that first series.
0: Yeah, I agree. Look, the Mets are 14 and six. That's a far cry. Uh, away from the Reds and you know again you have to beat the bad teams and not everyone is going to beat the Reds seven in a row even when they play them but the Cardinals have won 13 games half of those games were against the Reds and so this is an opportunity to get a really solid test uh, against a a contender against an actually really strong competitive team and that that's going to bring out I think uh, a lot in the Cardinals here over the next three days
1: I'm with you on that and it'll be exciting to see it get going I'll see you down there tonight
0: That'll do it. This will be the wrap-up of today's Locked On St. Louis Cardinals. For Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones. Coming to you uh, pretty much every day here from Busch Stadium. Cardinals and Mets tonight, Zach Wheeler. Confirmed Zach Wheeler and Luke Weaver. So check that out. So, Brendan, thank you, sir.
1: You too, my friend.
0: And we will catch you next time on Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.